Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the Derby and Oaks preview. I'm joined by two expert guests. Of course, it is Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, thank you very much for joining us. Andy, welcome. No, it's a stellar weekend, isn't it? It goes without saying. I think we've all been looking forward to this. Um, it's particularly on, just on hot on the heels of Royal Ascot, which... Uh, should give us a lots of clues as well. I think all the form lines are now beginning to work out. Obviously, from a time for figure perspective myself, got all the numbers collated from the early part of the season. Um, so it adds um, quite a bit of spice to what should be uh, a brilliant punting weekend. And you mentioned Royal Ascot. We've got long shot Ted Egg Quigley back with us again, making a second appearance on the podcast after putting in, it's fair to say, a decent effort. I think both you and Andy knocked your heads together and came out with the same Owen Burrows winner. Uh, how was your Ascot, Ed? Yeah, it went very well, thanks. The only downside to that is it's all uh, is all downhill after that uh, Royal Ascot performance, wasn't it? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was good fun. Really high quality racing, and there's uh, Andy touches upon some interesting form lines coming forward to that. Uh, obviously, unusually, or uh, that you wouldn't usually have coming into this meeting. So yeah, fascinating stuff, and it is uh, an epic two days of racing in store, isn't it? Absolutely, and very excited to hear your thoughts. So this is going to be. The Epsom preview. We are going to start, um, I think, with the Oaks. We're then going to move on to um, the Princess Elizabeth. And then we're going to finish with the Derby. So the two big ones and then the Group 3 in between. Before we crack on with the tipping and the thoughts of these two experts, just going to point everybody in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Make sure you download the Odds Checker app for so many different reasons. If you're looking to get the best value, if you want the best free bets, if you want all of our tipsters' tips daily before anybody else, it is imperative that you download the app and you can follow all the cards as we talk through them today as well. So I'll give you a second to do that. Just pause the podcast or pause the video if you haven't got it yet and then come back to us when you've downloaded it. But to no further ado, it is time to get into the racing. And as I mentioned, because of the nature of the card. We're not going to go through the whole day at Epsom. Uh, we're recording this at just after two o'clock on Thursday. So the markets have, have reformed after declarations. We know the draw as well. I have a feeling the draw is going to be fairly high on our list of, uh, of, of topics of conversation, certainly in the derby. But let's start with the Oaks. And it's at 3.40 at Epsom on Saturday. And Love is the six to five favourite with Unibet. We've got Frankly Darling is two to one next up. Then Ennis Tymon, sit there, seven to one, ran just behind Frankly Darling at Ascot. Uh, Gold Wand, or was it Ascot, or just ran behind Frankly Darling last time? Gold Wand is 14 to one, Passion 20 to one, Queen Daenerys 25 to one, and a couple 40 to one, Tiempo, Vuela, and Barani Star. So two at the top of the market, and then a few below. Andy, where does the value lie, in your opinion, at the moment? Um, I must admit, of all the times I've been doing that, these. Uh podcast and it's been a few years now I think this um, weekend in particular took me the least time to work out um, I basically knew what it's my ears that well it could end up being a complete disaster I could end up having a complete custard part of my face here but um, I almost didn't have to do any work really because I know what I'm going to be putting up I knew what I was going to be back in as long as they made the gig and nothing that, nothing went wrong with them um, I think the Oaks looks as the betty suggests really a, a, a two horse war Will Love get the trip? Um, she's certainly good enough, obviously, on a 1,000 guineas performance. Um, not overly convinced that was the 
the best uh, 1,000 guineas that's ever been run. Certainly of the ones that have run so far suggested that, um, you know, it, it's of, of, a, of a fairly weak uh, generation, you'd say. Um, but for my mind, frankly, Darling's a standout performer here. Um, expertly trained by John Gosling, just had the one run last season, very much an educational run. Uh, they obviously fast-tracked to get to Ascot with that uh, win at Newcastle, which seemed a, mm-hmm. a, a pretty standard um, event at the time. I think it was the first day, wasn't it, back uh, from the lockdown. Um, yeah. she, beat, she beat the Colts that day. Actually looked in trouble around about two films out, but then really picked up the bridle and stayed in very strongly, clocking a very fast time. And uh, then she went to the Ribblesdale, of course, inexperienced. And I think that inexperience showed, didn't it, in the early part of the race? She was just a bit fresh, a bit keen going down to Swindley Bottom. Actually, everything that could have gone wrong probably did go wrong with her. And I thought it was to a great credit and a class that she was able to pull through um, and beat uh, Estinimon, who got very much the uh, predominant Ascot ride, i.e. off the pace and the round track. Um, once you hit the front in that home straight, as well, it's a long way home. So this horse to stay on the way it did, I marked her up significantly. And I just think she's coming right at the right time. We know she stays. She's certainly bred to do so. I think if you look at her pedigree by Frankel, of course, out of a horse that got a mile and a half really well. And if there is chinks in the armour of love, it might be on that pedigree front. If you are, um, you know, you, you dig into those pages. Um, she's out of a horse called Peekaboo. Um, I don't know if you remember that horse. She used to be with Stuart Williams on the flat. Only six furlong, five furlong a horse at best. So, She's by Galileo, but very much the dam side. And I think the dam side can have a huge influence on stamina. He's very much uh, imparted into, into speed. And I think that speed, combination of stamina and speed, which got her uh, to win the 1,000 guineas. Um, so from just a, a pure stamina perspective, on the kind of horse that it takes to win the Oaks, i.e. a real strong stayer, let's not forget Epsom is a, a very demanding track. At the odds I've got here at the moment, I'd very much be a layer of love and a backer of Frankly Darling. There you go, frankly, darling, the one for Andy at two to one. He makes a pretty case, Ed. Can you disagree with any of that? Are you going to be? I mean, it's not it's not your your normal style backing a ten to eleven. Sorry, eleven and ten favorite. Are you going to be backing love, or are you going to be looking for a bit of value down the market? Well, that two minutes, what Andy said, just replay it, stick my face on top of it, and then we'll, we'll just uh, we'll just turn it off. <laughs> I actually, I know you're itching for me to come up with some uh, some magical thirty three to one shot that's going to burst into clouds. I actually think it's just quite a boring betting race now, in all honesty. Mm. You know, it's not my nature uh, to get steamy into something around the six to five, 11 to eight mark. Uh, I generally think this is a two horse race between love and uh, frankly, darling. Uh, I, I actually, the point Andy made about the form actually perhaps alarms me more than the trip in terms of the 1000 guineas has actually worked out pretty shoddy. I know we've got limited mm. evidence to go on, but you know, cloak of spirits as well, beaten in the coronation, obviously quadrilateral, sent off favour beating and that final song was stuffed in the jersey uh, the Jessica Harrington uh, Philly came down to sprint trips was beaten like everywhere you look horses are getting turned over quite convincingly I think the James Tate Philly is the only one to have come out once since that scrambled home by a neck in a listed contest at Haydock so mm. the 1000 guineas form does have at the moment quite a few holes in it now yeah Love does have that eclectic blend uh, doesn't she of kind of speed and stamina yeah I think she's, as Andy touched upon, for related to a lot of sprinters, a half-sister to Lucky Crystal, you can remember, was a, a useful six-furlong type a couple of seasons ago. But I think she'll get the trip. But frankly, Darling is the one that does excite me more. She's so inexperienced. She was really keen and headstrong throughout the early stages of the Ribbles down. I thought, well, if she could do that and still finish in the manner she did, 
then crikey, what's she going to be like if she learns to settle properly to conserve that much kind of stamina energy when needed most, despite pulling quite fiercely through the first couple of furlongs. I think that bodes well. And yeah, I, I think it's between her and love. I would be kind of edging towards, frankly, darling, but obviously clearly do respect the, uh, the thousand guineas winner. <laughs> You've both mentioned how frankly, darling at Ascot, you know, that was a bit headstrong, was a bit keen early on and putting that down, you know, the, the fact that she still won so well and the way that she ran onto the line being a positive, but there has to be, I mean, I know that, Maybe the, the form line of the Thousand Guineas hasn't worked out too well, but there has to be a concern going into a race where you have to assume that you know the, the, the horse is in, in there as well. You know, you, you don't want to be backing a horse in the Oaks that's going to be running keen or running free for the first couple of furlongs. I think one point to make about this race is John Gosling's not uh, backwards and coming forwards, is he? It looks very much like <laughs> he's got, a, uh, dare I say, he's got a bit of a foot soldier here or sacrificial lamb, whichever which I want to. Mm. Um, uh, term, term, term it in the shape of Tiempo Viola, who was a very, very keen running type, uh, was uh, pulling hard for ahead, if I remember correctly, in the, in the race. It was eventually won by his stable companion, her stable companion, so run wild at Newmarket. The mere fact that that's in the race with Martin Harley on it suggests to me that John Gosden thought, well, I want to take um, a cherry picker horse out of my yard to make sure there's plenty of pace on here, mm. uh, and A, ensure it's a good gallop, but B, to also make sure that, uh, frankly, Darling settles. I think the other point to mention as well about frankly, Darling is in the early part of that race as well at Ascot, don't forget it's all downhill. So if you are a bit fresh, a bit keen, the tendency to overrun, over race is certainly going to be more of a factor in those three furlongs down into Swinley Bottom. Don't forget if Epsom's the opposite way around. It's uphill for the first four furlongs. So if you've got a lead horse going along at a really good pace, swinging gallop, there's more chance of you dropping in behind and settling going uphill than going downhill. So... I think for that reason, it wouldn't really concern me as much uh, as perhaps you would think, you know, uh, ordinarily. Good stuff. Well, Andy, you sold it to me. Frankly, Darling, seemingly the selection from Andy and Ed siding just about with Frankly, Darling as well. Before before we move on, are there any horses we can see, you know, even if running running in for, uh, for a place into third from, from down, the, down the betting or are we sticking with just Frankly, Darling? Any case to be made? Yeah, quite well, keen. That is a resounding note. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, I was just thought, in terms of the, perhaps the best of the rest in order to, to mm. follow them home, but Gold Wand was really interesting. The fact, look, on official figures, the Roger Varian filly, I think it's got to find two stone, something absolutely daft, but it comes here from a Newbury maiden. But I thought she looked better the further she went last time out. Uh, obviously, a sire won a derby. I think this trip will be within range. Uh, they could have easily gone down a an easier route, couldn't they? With an official rating of 89 next to, next to her name. But I did like the way she kind of lengthened in the closing stages there. But she's clearly got to make up a massive amount of ground. But outside of the kind of top two, if you like, um, I get a feeling there could be a little bit of a much of a much amongst a few of these. You've got a lot of the Ribblesdale form kind of lumped together, haven't you? Which you could probably interchange the order of a few of those on any given day. And just thought gold one, dead exposed. She's perfectly entitled to prove only had the two starts. And I could see her, put it this way, putting in a career best by some way. Whether that entitles her to get within even seven or eight lengths of, of the protagonist, who knows? But yeah, it's uh, it's frankly darling to beat love. And there we are. Gold won the finish, following them home. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I'd, to go. I'd, just, I'd, I'd just like to endorse that as well, um, George, because Gold won was one of the horses that I put on my 20 to follow list when, I, when, I, when we were in lockdown and I was struggling for things to do and I was coming up with uh, new ideas to put on the website just to fill in a few gaps and uh, Gold Wand and Domino Darling were both uh, two horses out of that 
excellent maiden at Doncaster towards the back end of last season, clocking a very fast time I wanted to include. Uh, the fact that obviously Domino Darling being the Oppenheimers doesn't go here, and frankly Darling does, uh, tells the pecking order that that uh, owner thinks he has. And then goal one represents that same form line. Yes, he was an overly impressive first time at um, uh, Newbury, as Ed's already alluded to, and the time figure wasn't great. But the fact that she still won, despite racing a bit keen and pulling a bit hard, is very much testimony to, testimony to her qualities. And she will definitely get the trip as well. So um, if they're betting without the favourite, I'm sure they are on the day, you thought Love might not get the trip, then there might be a little bit of uh, juice in that um, particular exotic market. Yeah, and three places at the moment as well. Gold one is 14 to 1 with most firms if you're looking for a slightly bigger price than the top two. So up next then, we have the Phillies Group 3, the Princess Elizabeth, which comes sandwiched in between the Oaks and the Derby. And we've got Cloak of Spirits is the 9-4 to joint favourite alongside Furat. Uh, Summer of Romance, Summer Romance, I should say, is 15 to 2. Rose of Kildare, 17 to 2. Love and Thunder, 10 to 1. And Anassis, 14 to 1. Ed, come to you first here. Any value in your eyes at the moment? Uh, good question. Very good question. A bit of a head scratch for <laughs> this. Uh, generally, I'm against those towards the top of the market in this one. Uh, we start with like Full Rat, clearly bolted up at Chelmsford last time. Was visually very impressive. And I think Andy will be feel, filling us in more with the kind of time perspective. But I don't think it was too much of a sluggish effort from that perspective. I think she actually managed to lose her shoe in winning by seven lengths as well. All in all, it was a pretty smart effort, but the actual collateral form of that, again, if you're just going to be blunt, is absolute pants. I mean, the, the horse in second's <laughs> been beaten in a auction stakes. I think the third's been turned over in a maiden. Uh, it's got so on, so on, so on. It, this is a big step up, clearly. Uh, clearly did it in good style last time. I'm just not quite sure what Forat has achieved in titles necessarily to be the price it is, would just be my view. So I'm kind of going to go slightly further down the field. The, the two I'm drawn to, number one's Love and Thunder. But I think 10 to 1 could be a little bit overpriced. I wouldn't be at all surprised if this one contracted on the day, especially with the old, the, the cliched Frankie factor, if you like. But, um, <laughs> you know, this was an ex-Andre Farber type, uh, gone to John Gosden, went a pretty good start newbie last time out, um, east towards in the closing stages again stepping up markedly in trip. But we've seen John Gosden that these inexperienced types kind of throws them in seemingly at the deep end. There's a really interesting interview I've been trying to find where Sir Michael Stout's interviewed, uh, funny enough, and he talks about the conversations he's had with John Gosden. The amount of times he's told Gosden he's mad running uh, an individual <laughs> in a race, in a group race after one or two races and they go and win. And then he deliberately doesn't uh, answer the phone when John phones him back <laughs> afterwards. Right? I thought that was quite entertaining, actually. But uh, I... John Gosling does very rarely tilts at wind, windmills. I just thought this really interesting type. The way it won at Newby last time out was quite taking and should be a lot more to come. Admittedly, we'll need to prove step up in trip. The one horse in here which is really annoying me, and you know, George, uh, from the last podcast, there are all horses that really start to get on my uh, on my ticket, shall we say, is Summer Romance for Charlie Appleby and William Buick. Because when this individual won on the July course at Newmarket last year, I thought, wow. We've got an absolute bona fide classic contender here. And things just haven't gone to plan since. However, I watched the uh, the 1,000 guineas back again uh, last night. Now, I know I've been crabbing the form right, left and centre. But I actually do think <laughs> this this horse had a kind of a... I mean, it was its first start for nearly 300 days. It fell out of the stalls. Had to be used up a lot of gas to get into a, a decent position. Made some eye-catching headway through the field, approaching the three-furlong pole. And then the petrolite came on and went out you know, went out like a light, but essentially. Mm. I just wonder whether everything was wrong for it that day. It ran like a horse who wasn't on its A game, needed the run, probably strip a lot fitter. And 
I, I just think this is this is a, a Philly who's just been threatening to win a really big pop sometime now, and it could always be the case. You get these individuals, as you know, you follow them off a cliff and um, and jump off with them. But yeah, it's between and, and then they win when, they, when you're not on. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I've got a story about that for a very boring and rainy day. But anyway, um, no. Summer Romance and Love and Thunder are the two that are exciting me around the kind of 15 to 2 and 10 to 1 mark. And I think Love and Thunder especially, I don't think Love and Thunder is a million miles behind what Forat's really achieved, uh, to be blunt. And especially, I mean, RPRs was suggested was about £10 between them. And I think Love and Thunder was heavily eased, is perfectly entitled to improve on just its third start. So double figures, I think uh, that's probably slightly overpriced for me. But it's a, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because I just... I'm not convinced by the sales of Guineas form and um, put me off summer romance to some extent, but we'll, we shall see, I suppose. We all know what happens next. Looking forward <laughs> to clipping that up when summer romance absolutely bolts up. But uh, Love and Thunder, 10 to 1, that is with Paddy Power. And summer romance is currently 15 to 2. If you disagree, if you agree with Ed's reasoning, but disagree with his, you know, his, his doubts about the form line. Andy, what have you got to add? On uh, on this, yeah, this Phillies Group Three. Um, yeah, it's not a particularly strong uh, Group Three. Uh, lots of no. holes in form um, in general terms. Uh, wasn't overly enamoured by uh, Cloak of Spirits' finishing effort out, Scott. I know she she was up with the pace and made the run in, and you always should take that with a pinch of salt on the round track at Ascot. I don't think any horse that came into the home straight in front managed to finish it off its race. I think there's only a couple that just kept galloping, uh, which I've upgraded um, throughout that particular week. But yeah, it was just such a tame finish, and that on the back of a of a of a hard race in the one thousand guineas. Maybe she might have just been feeling that. And that thousand guineas form, as we said, isn't overly strong. Um, so you're looking at bits and bits and bobs of of of, of uh, solid form here. But the one that stands out for me is Fora. Um If you're just looking at pure time figures, this horse is just in a different different league to this lot. The day when she won at Chelmsford, she literally hit, hit the ball out of the park. I certainly take Ed's point of view that the second and third of They've run okay. They haven't let the form down massively. The horse of Beckett's that finished second was um, a good run up to a, to a horse of um, William Haggis's at Windsor. I didn't think the third horse, Magic Sky, got the best of runs um, the other day when going to, back to the same track. And if you want to sort of upgrade the form a little bit further down, there's also called Kimberley ran in it. I think it was about seventh or eighth. Was not off a yard the night at Kempton and finished very eye-catchingly into fourth. So there is a little bit of substance to that form, but the fact that this horse won by eight lengths anyway, you've just got to look at the numbers rather than, oh yeah, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth have, have won or, or not won. Um, because, you know, if, if they run fast, they, that's, the, that's the performance level that they've, 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 they've managed to achieve. Um, contrary to that, I'm, I'm afraid to pour cold water on uh, Ed's pick, uh, Love and Thunder. <laughs> Love and Thunder's race at Newby was very, very slow. Uh, it was the slowest furlong for furlong time on that card that day. Yes, he was quite impressive, but off the back of a slow time, you wanted to look impressive, really. Um, so I, I, I couldn't see that winning. Um, Anassis is a very, very talented filly, but I think she's probably better at Ascot on a straight track. And the other two come out of the Guineas. And I'm not overly convinced whether Rosa Kildare's a miler or Summer Romance will, will get the trip either. So I know that Fiorat can run really hard over a mile. The more, the more work you pump into, the better. I think she'll stay the trip, no problem. And with a varying team, absolutely red hot. Again, I didn't even. I didn't, it took me about five seconds to work out what I was going to pick here. As soon as I saw it, <laughs> I knew I was going to tip four up because of the, num- the numbers told me to. Uh, are going to tell me to uh, put her up. 
That's all we need to hear. And Ed, I promise next time I go to Andy first, so he doesn't pour water with your with those pesky, <laughs> those pesky time figures. Um, but yeah, nine to four, four at is at the moment with Bet three six five. Getting quite excited, and you're putting up some strong selections here, even if it does only take you five seconds, as you say. Um, but nine to four for four at, and you know, if you not into that time, you know, the, the timing nonsense that Andy has been providing us winners with for the last couple of years, then ten to one still about for Love and Thunder. But on to the big one now, and the last race we're going to be covering in this podcast and video, and it is, of course, the Investec Derby, the big one. And the market has changed a fair bit since this morning after the draw came out. And English King, drawn in stall one, is still just about the favourite at 11 to 4. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that no horse has won the derby out of stall one since 1999. Uh, but still 11 to 4 favourite. Kamiko is 4 to 1 out of 11. Mogul has shortened into as short as 9 to 2. Best price 6 to 1 despite being drawn in stall 2. That is because Ryan Moore has taken the ride of Mogul over Russian Emperor, who is seven to one out of six. Vatican City, 10 to one out of eight. Highland Chief and Pile Driver, 16 to one. Mohican Heights, 25 to one. Khalifa sat. What a sweet story that would be. Tom Markwin will be sitting very happily in stall 14 before they jump here, waving over at stall one uh, at 28 to one. <laughs> Serpentine, 28 to one. 33 to one bar. Andy, let's. You know, let's look at the top end of the market first, I guess. Yep. Is it is it right that English King is still favourite for this race with that draw? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously the draw's got to be a slight concern. Um, you could flip it on its head and let's say all those stall one winners in the last 30 years were all 25 to one. And you fancy one that's drawn one in 25 to one. You'll say, well, there's been three winners out of stall one in the last 30 years. You think, well, that's quite a good stat <laughs> for, 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 you know. Very true. So, look, it's it's not great, but look, you know, Frankie will know exactly what what he's got to do. They'll go over it. They'll they'll plot a uh, plot some uh, you know a, a way of getting through the pack some somehow. Um, no better man for it either, is there? Exactly, I mean, we've seen his rides. It. I mean, fair play to Mike. He he flagged this horse up, didn't he, before Lingfield? Mm. Uh, he said he'd been doing some fantastic things. Um, he didn't really say a lot, but. It sort of silence was golden, really, wasn't it? To, to mm. be perfectly honest, uh, and the horse backed up his opinion um, when he won the Lingfield Derby trial. The same as Anthony Van Dyke did last season. Numbers were very good, much better than the um, race won by uh, Miss Yoda on on the same card. Um, and of course, the second boxer Rocco didn't do the form any harm by chasing down San Diego. Just the way he went through that race, he looked a good horse. He travelled well. He he also preserved energy. He didn't look as though he was too keen, or you know was was fighting the jockey all the way through, which is, I think you need to settle as well to win the derby. That again, you want a horse that's got uh, not too exuberant, which he doesn't look as though he is. And he's got that magical turn of foot as well at the end of his races, which the clock very much said that he has got to, to, um, based on his Lingfield run. So he's got everything other than an ideal draw. Um, and I think he's probably about the right price. He's, he's the right favourite in my eyes because we, we know that he gets a trip. So if you fancy English King, um, I certainly wouldn't put you off. Before we, uh, I'm going to ask you about your selections. Just want to, Ed, I'll come to you now, but if you have nothing to say, I'll ask Andy. Just Mogul is an extraordinary price. I mean, if you if you look, I mean, you understand connections, you look at the trainer, um, you look at who's going to be riding Mogul and Ryan Moore, uh, especially when he, you think, would have the selection of a fair few of these. Um, but on bare form, Mogul should be any price you want, surely. 
becoming disappointing, isn't he? Uh, it's just the, the writing was kind of on the wall with the, the earlier interviews earlier in the week, wasn't it? We heard Aidan O'Brien starting to give all the lovely cliches coming out about summer coat, coming to himself, last bit of work he did, blah, 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 blah. So they clearly feel he's been on the back burner for some time. It's only now he's started to click. But yeah, I take your point on, on what he's kind of achieved in the last six months or so. Um, he, he was well seen off in the end at Newcastle, wasn't he, at the back end of last year? And then had a pretty lifeless race uh, last time out, didn't he? It never really looked like winning at any point. So obviously going to have to come on a great bundle since then. Ryan Moore, yes, he's had the choice. And clearly the horse is the proverbially burning up the gallops and has clearly come on a lot from last time out, which he's going to need to do. Um, yeah, it, this market is taking a, a massive change in dynamic, hasn't it, in the last only two or three days? I mean, it was one stage where there was touching two to one English King. You had a Cameco 11 to two and Mogul eight to one. Well, they're all almost <laughs> going to be compressed to somewhere near each other yeah. now, aren't they, at some point? So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating betting heat. But uh, yeah, Mogul not for me at the prices in, on a month of Sundays. So who do we fancy? I mean, we haven't spoken about Guinea's winner, Cameco, yet either. Andy, coming to you first, who do you like at the prices? I certainly think Cameco's, you've got to throw him into the mix, you know, regardless of a slight stamina doubt. He's, he's obviously the best horse in the race. The win of a 2,000 Guineas suggests that. Um, he's by Kitten's Joy, and looking at his offspring and the, and the career record of, of Kitten's Joy's, they're probably better over a mile and a quarter. I think most Kitten's Joy's, you know, that. Um, the like of Hawk Bill, I think Roaring Lion, I think he was a kitten joy. He he was third in the derby, wasn't he, in his year uh, behind uh, Massar. So I, I think this also probably end up running in a sort of like a champion stakes towards the end of the season, whatever happens in the derby, because I think a mile and a quarter will always end up being his best trip. He's got that cruising speed for a mile. He should or give himself every chance of getting the mile and a half because, again, he, he relaxes quite well, like he did in the 2000. He, he took a lead nicely. Everything all came very easily to him. Um, he's got a, a reasonably good draw. Um, obviously, Oisheen knows him well, and, and Andrew Baldwin's horse is still remaining in excellent heart. I've got nothing bad to say about Kamiko, and he did me a great turn when he won the 2000. It wouldn't surprise me if he won. Would I be would I be upset if I didn't back him now at four to one, having backed him in the Guineas? Probably not, because um, I do think the the, Martin, the market has gone completely skewed, and I'm quite glad actually from a from a selfish perspective that Ryan Moore's decided to choose Mogul. And um, Shami Heffern has decided to choose um, Russian Emperor. I think a lot of those jockey bookings, you can read into them what you like, but I think because we've only had one sample size and a lot of the jockeys have only had one sample size, a lot of them are actually just jumping on the same horses they've already ridden. Ryan Moore rode Mogul in the, in the, um, the King um, Edward, at, sorry, yeah, the King Edward at, at Royal Ascot. Shami Heffern rode um, Russian, Russian Emperor. And Padraig Beggy rode Vatican City. Um, when he was second in the um, Irish 2000. And that brings me neatly on to the latterly known Vatican City, who I think now will probably go out to a kind of price which will be absurd based on his run behind Shiskin in that uh, Irish 2000 guineas. If ever a horse was absolutely screaming at you that he wants the derby trip, it's if this one. He almost was like generous-esque the way he ran at uh, the Curragh. He got blocked in on the far side rail. He was still running over the complete field with a furlong to run. It was only in the last 100 yards when he saw a bit of daylight that he absolutely took off. I think he might have even got very close to Shiskin had he got a clearer run. But obviously that one horse is a bit of a more of a push-button horse with acceleration, whereas Vatican looks like you know, he wants to you know, really unwind over a mile and a quarter, mile and a half. I think you'll see a huge, huge performance from this fellow. He's nicely drawn. And 
you know, you see Padraig Beggin and like that, and it put a lot of people off there. But let's face it, Padraig Beggin, when he's given the right opportunity, he does not miss. You know, he's won some big races. Obviously, won the Irish Derby, and I, I think he quite quite you know, likes that giant killing act. He goes out there. There's no pressure on him. He's not riding the favourite. But I think underneath, he's he's got quite quite a sort of you know balls of steel kind of like mentality. And I think he's got picked up a really really good ride here. Uh, I'm mad keen on, on Vatican City. I do fancy another outside as well. I'll let Ed talk about the race as well. He's definitely going to be my number one choice. And there's also one as well, which I think he's a massive prize. But on talent, there's no way he should be the prices. But I'm all over Vatican City here. And I'm absolutely chuffed to bits that Ryan Moore's decided to choose and Ryan Mogul <laughs> for some bizarre reason. Well, let, let's hope, Andy, that once this podcast and, and video goes out, that price sticks around a bit. But 10 to 1 at the moment for Skybet for Vatican City. A uh, bit of nines um, and eights elsewhere. Strong case made there, Ed. Where are you looking for your for your 50p each way? Unbelievable, yeah. Vatican City, FDS. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like countdown, isn't it? Show, 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 show your hands. Yeah. Vatican City, absolutely outrageous price. Should no way be double figures. Uh, really, I'm being beaten by Siskin. That form is... Not mid. I'd argue is as good as what English King has achieved. Really, to if you can get within a length and a half of Siskin, considering the run Vatican City had in the Irish 2000, as Andy's alluded to, it's like the M25. He found the gap on the hard shoulder at the last minute and kind of came home with a bit of a wet sail. Looked totally outpaced and done by Siskin, who I think is a real, real top horse and will take some beating Sussex Stakes and a horse with just brilliant acceleration over a mile and. Yeah, Vatican City wants a trip. Uh, I, I, I just echo a lot of what uh, Andy says there. Only <laughs> Easy job, isn't is, it? It is. Well, he does five seconds work and I just copy it. I mean, it's really it's <laughs> absolutely, it's absolutely easy, easy. But it was just interesting that, that it, when Ryan Moore was interviewed earlier in the week and then when Aidan O'Brien came on and he started giving all this mogul, mogul, he's come to himself. He's obviously done one piece of work, which has made them all just sit up and go, wow. And that's kind of finalised everything, I think. Uh, because, yeah, Vatican City... Uh, as I said, I think that Irish 2000 Guineas form was brilliant. Horse wants a trip. Uh, double figure price. Purely on form, there's no way that horse should be 10 to 1, in my opinion. Uh, especially when you've got Mogul at, what, 9 to 2. So, uh, yeah, Vatican City. I've got an outsider throwing as well. <laughs> but Vatican City is my uh, my number one pick for the derby. Well, let's hope there'll be black smoke flying, was it white smoke flying from the top of Quigley Towers on uh, on Saturday <laughs> afternoon after Vatican City goes and hoses up. Um, but uh, Andy, you, well, you both said that you've got um, you've got outsiders. So let's go down the market. We've both, we've agreed on Vatican City at 10 to 1. Andy, firstly, coming to you, which horse is overpriced down at the bottom? Um, well, I think he's one of the most talented or potentially talented horses in this field going forward. Whether he'll have the experience to win this or, or, or even finishing the first three or four in the derby, I don't know. But I've, I've no doubt in my mind that um, Worthily is a, uh, a very, very interesting outsider here. I think he's 33 to 1, 40 to 1 in a place. The fact that John Gosden's pitching this horse into the derby off just one run in a novice event at, at Newbury suggests to me that either he thinks he's good enough to, to run well and finish in the first half dozen because he could get battered and bruised out the back if he's not careful. But I think it's more of a, of a push towards this horse being a St. Ledger horse. I think this horse would have gone down. I, I thought he'd go down the the, the, um, the voltage air route and, and go York sort of on, onto, onto Doncaster. I think he's bred, but I think he's out of the same family of Lucano. He's winner several years back. And 
I think he's around about twenty-five to one for for the St. Ledger. And what whatever he does in the derby, that 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 the ledger, this is definitely a ledger horse. But a, the, the speed, the, the speed and the quality he showed when he won at Nurby to get himself out of a hole was quite startling. I thought uh, it was a tactically run race. It very much suited the horse that was in front that day. A horse called Core Work of um, William Haggerty's who had the benefit of experience. This horse flopped out the stalls. But come there, absolutely swinging on the bridle to out. And was only just nudged out towards the back end of the race. His closing sectionals were as good as some of the six furlong, seven furlong the horses on the straight track that day. So he's obviously got a good engine. He's nicely drawn in nine. Um, and as I said, it's just the experience thing. He, he, he'll either go one way or the other. Um, but I really do like this horse. I think we're going to be hearing a lot of word um, either in the derby over the weekend or certainly towards the back end of the season. Do you think, given how consistently John Gosden does this with his inexperienced horses, quite a good tactic? Maybe, if not backing them this day, is just just put them in a notebook and just see where they go. Because there aren't many trainers who seem to consistently put these horses who've you know just come out of maidens and put them straight into into this kind of company. Well, the things with the things with John Gosden, he he doesn't want to spoil his reputation by just running anything and anything in a race like this. He he would only run something <clears> if he thought deep down was going to not disgrace itself. I can't imagine this mm. horse is going to drop out the back of the telly just because John's going to put him in there. I, I think talent-wise, he won't anyway. I just think he, he'll handle himself and he will run quite well. But just imagine if this horse finished 15 to 16 or something like that. He, he wouldn't be able to look his owner in the eye and, and say, what, what were we doing there, you know, kind of thing. Mm. Uh, I think between them, I think that they, they generally feel as though they've got a good horse on their hands here and they're willing to roll the dice on, we just one run behind behind them, and that was only 23 days ago, which is a massive ask. But I do think the sort of landscape of this derby is totally different to what we've had in previous years. And some horses that haven't quite gone forward from last year, like your moguls of this world, you know, you, they might just sort of be coming up against horses that are improving at a massive rate and not to this time of year. Um, and it, it could be one of those years, like I say, when we get a funny result. As with William Hill, um, what a story that would be. Martin Harley riding a derby winner. However, feeling will go off probably a fair bit bigger than that 40s unless there's some remarkable gamble um, up until now, until Saturday. Ed, don't tell me that was the one you'd have marked down as well. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll count down uh, rules to save there. Don't worry. No, uh, no, indeed. Uh, it's an interesting one. Though. Um, Andy is right. It's got all the Locarno memories about the one, isn't it? The George Strawbridge colours and the uh, mm. does look like will be a proper stare. Just very quickly on Cameco, I just think in any normal year, this horse had been going to the eclipse. <laughs> uh, but it's just mm. obviously a, a funny old year. Horse almost does scream roaring line to me. I, I think. You know, almost your Dante's, your Dumont Internationals, you get there, be it's races. But we shall see anyway. Now, at a bigger price, and not to do anything to do with the Tom Marcon, Frankie Dottori non story, but uh, Khalifa non-story. Sat. Non story. The non story. The <laughs> Khalifa Sat, I do think, is interesting at a big price. Now, yeah, the race at Goodwood was just, it was a, you know, it was a small field. It was a steadily run affair, which Khalifa Sat kind of set the fractions, dictated matters pretty much to its liking and wound it up. But I think the horse did stick on well, but it almost I thought it was going to be a bit of a one-trick pony, show its hand, and the others were close in again. But I thought the horse looked pretty game and started lengthening in the closing stage of that contest at Goodwood. And just looking through its pedigree, you know, it's closely related to Unsung Heroin, who finished second in the ledger to Conduit going back uh, 12 years ago now. Okay, I'm feeling old. But um, 
I, I just think there's lots of middle distance pedigree here, and I, I think this horse could easily run out. Was it 28 to one or something? Like, it could easily outrun its odds going up in trip. I, I doubt it's probably got the class to, to mix it with some of these, but I think it definitely will stay. I wouldn't be too surprised if it's ridden pretty prominently again. And uh, with you've got a question, perhaps a question mark about a few of these, whether they will see out the trip or not. Uh, horses going beyond a mile for the first time, etc. I think Tom Mark I might say, come on, then let's let's go make this a proper test and see where we go. So. Khalifa sat at a big price is one that is on my radar, but Vatican City is definitely my number one selection in the derby. Tom Marquin, former odds checker ambassador, certainly made a name for himself down under this winter by winning big races at big prices. And I was sent a stat yesterday actually saying that if you one pound level stakes on Tom's ride since racing began again, and you'd be 150 pounds up, which is oh. fairly remarkable. Um, he's having a fantastic season. Um, and, you know, if, you say it's a non-story. I, I, for one, would love to see a furlong out. Khalifa sat an English king <laughs> side by side out in front. Frankie yeah, and Tom look, having a look at each other. That would be good. It would be good. Anyway, thank you guys very much for your derby uh, preview there. You've knocked your heads together and you've come out with the same selection. Vatican City, 10 to 1, with a positive word from Ed for Khalifa sat. And just one to keep an eye on from Andy with Worthily as well at 40s. Hopefully you have enjoyed and we've kind of provided some insight into Epsom's racing on Saturday. We are about to record a preview to the three group races at Sandown on Sunday, as well as the Lancashire Oaks at Haydock as well. So if you've enjoyed this, you can either listen on any normal podcast platform on the Odds Checker podcast, or you can follow us on YouTube and find the videos there. Make sure you download the Odds Checker app for all of the racing this weekend for the best prices, the, be the best bookie offers, free bets and tips as well. Andy, of course, will be tipping every day. Please gamble responsibly and fingers crossed we've given you a couple of winners.